0: And we're in Chapter 1, Channels of Light and Blessing, and we'll be picking up at Paragraph 20.1, where it says, "When in the midst of his blind error and prejudice. So that's uh, Channels of Light and Blessing, Chapter 1, Paragraph 20.1. And we'll start with the word of uh, prayer by
1: Lakeda. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you so much for your Sabbath day today, Lord. We thank you that we can come aside, rest our minds from our daily cares, and focus on you completely. We ask that you would be with us as we study your word, to open our hearts and our minds, help us, Lord, to understand and to apply what we learn today to our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you.
1: Amen.
0: All right. So... Even this first sentence is interesting, when in the midst of his blind error and prejudice, Saul was given a revelation of Christ. Um, Why does it say blind error and prejudice? What was Saul doing?
2: Wasn't Saul uh, uh, from the beginning killing Christians and he thought he was doing his uh, duty to, I guess, the king? Mm -hmm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was um, judging these people based on um, their religious beliefs and there's a uh, form of prejudice and racism too.
0: Anybody else? Where was the blind error and prejudice with Saul?
1: He said he was killing people. Well, yeah. was he blind to the word of God? He
3: thought he was doing the work of God. He thought that the Jewish leaders were correct. And so he was following them and persecuting the the Christians, the ones that were following Christ.
0: Yeah. Thanks for everyone's comments. Why do you think it said blind error?
1: He didn't understand. Yeah. He didn't realize (laughs) what he was doing was wrong.
0: Yeah. He was wrong. He thought he was doing right, but he was sincere about it, but he was sincerely wrong, but he put all of his energy into it, uh, persecuting the Christians whom he thought were doing wrong. But then once he was converted, what type of energy did he have then?
1: The same. He was on fire for the Lord to do yeah, on to fire. For Christianity.
0: Yeah. So he didn't all of a sudden, now that he's working for Christ, just start half-stepping, did he? No. No, he still put everything he had into it. You know, and that's a good example for each one of us. As the scripture says, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. So as God gives you direction, do it to the best of your human ability and God will take up the slack. And then it goes on to say he was placed in direct communication with the church, which is the light of the world. The church is the light of the world. What does that mean to us? What does the light of the world do?
2: It shines for Jesus.
1: Yeah. And it dispels darkness. So in this case, it would be spiritual darkness. We have truth and light to dispel the darkness, spiritual darkness.
0: Yeah. And hopefully that's what we're still doing is uh, shining in the darkness, dispelling, dispelling darkness and being a light, pointing others to Christ. Like a lighthouse shows the ship's where the shore is at. So we as light should point people to Christ, let people know where Christ is at. And sentence down, it says, in Christ's stead, Ananias touched the eyes of Saul that he may receive sight. Now I thought that was interesting because it said Ananias in Christ's stead. Did Ananias, was he always in Christ's stead? No. Why not? What happened?
2: Christ gave him a commandment and he took stuff that wasn't his. And then he lied to God saying he had gotten rid of everything, but he hadn't, he had been greedy and kept some things.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so here he was um, being called by Christ to do this very important duty, which he did, but then later on he fell short, you know, and that was kind of a really sad story about him and his wife. Um, And it reminds us that there are plenty of people who are truly following the Lord truly on fire for Christ and then they run into some situations and circumstances in life, and they lose their hold on him, you know, and it's very important for us, especially now at this time, in earth's history to remember, we have to keep our hold on Christ, no matter what's going on around us, you know, so that we don't fall short, and uh. End up missing out on eternal life. Christ is the fountain; the church is the channel of communication. So everything that the church does should be to lead people to Christ, to spread the word of Christ, to uh, exemplify the, the character and the attitude of Christ. You know, we're just the conduit for Jesus. We we don't we're not the ones that we want people to follow we're here to point people to Christ and he's the one that they should be following. But then it says that error is prevailing everywhere. Is that still true?
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Like, what's an example of some error that you've seen prevailing? And we're talking about well, spirit, spiritual error.
2: Well, you know, I recently, you know, came upon and I understand, you know, when people are grieving, but they really believe that their loved ones is looking down on them right now.
0: hmm Yeah. And we know that's not true. Why? Or how?
2: Because in God's word, God says that the dead, the dead they know nothing uh, of this world anymore. They're not conscious of anything. And if God, if that was true, then why would God say when he returns that the dead in Christ shall rise first? if they already risen and
0: walking around in heaven. <laughs> Go on and preach, then. <laughs> that's very true. And we have to remember to um, depend on God's word and and trust in his word. So when he says it's not true, it's not true. Especially that's a good example, Patsy, because uh, this weekend is Memorial Day, right? So millions of people are going to be going out to the cemeteries and paying respects to their loved ones who have passed away and like you say a lot of those people truly believe that their loved ones are in heaven looking down on them and helping them you know saving them from accidents and uh, giving them money in the mail and all kind of things you know but uh, Lakita did you have another example of error spiritual error well I
1: was (laughs) just thinking about the many cults the cults that are cults not cults but cults that are (laughs) That are around where people are just following one person, and you know he sets himself up as a god of some sort, and they follow him. You know, so Mm. it's a lot of those going out too, still in existence.
0: Yeah, a lot of cults still in existence. You know, what do cults rely upon to be successful?
2: I think they rely on people' weakness when they find somebody that's that's vulnerable, like those. And you know. I can't get on my loved one, but I know they're talking to me and everything. I think they key in on that. And they encourage them, just like I think those psychics do on TV. They encourage these people, telling them they can see into the future. But I have never seen a psychic tell me when Jesus is coming. Uh-uh. And,
0: you know, yeah,
1: that's a good point. And, you know, another thing, too, is, like, um, when these people, you know, like, they, some kind of way can wiggle, I mean, get these people away from their families. I guess they kind of, if they're isolated, that's another good way for people to take advantage of people. So, you know, you're isolated and feel alone in this world. They provide that friendship for you.
0: Yeah, and another way they take advantage of people is they look for people who don't know the scriptures, people who don't study their Bible so that they can say, no, that's not right what you're saying according to the Holy Bible. So they're looking for people who are gullible, people who are uh, suffering or in pain of some sort, people who are feeling down and depressed, and people who don't study God's word or have a relationship with him.
1: This reminds me of, I think it was in Romans, where um, I think Paul had gone to some place, and I think the Romans, they had like the unknown God. It was just so ripe for a cult, you know, to a, a cult leader to come in. But you know, they was all looking, always looking for a new thing. That's another thing. People always looking for something new. And the, you know, Bible's old normal. So they want something <laughs> new and different.
0: Yeah, and there's still cults around. There's cults here in St. Louis. You know, and I remember being approached by the uh Hari Krishna's. <laughs> Uh, before and it was kind of funny after the fact at first it was scary but afterward it was it was kind of funny because they were just very you know the people that approached me was very weird looking their eyes were really wide open and they just kept grinning and you know I'm suspicious instantly and they was just trying to get me to go with them and I'm like no I don't think so but you know you have to know the word of God for yourself Because if not, people can uh, tell you a lie and hide it so well that you think it's the truth. You know, that's why the scripture says if it was possible, even the very elect would be uh, fooled or lost. So we have to be very careful that we keep our conversation heavenly and that we stay close to God's Holy Spirit and study in his word. And as Christians, it's our job to express by our words and acts. By words and by action, the love of God, which animates our hearts. Now, when people, some people say that they don't like to give testimonies because they're bragging. But when you think about this sentence here, and it's in paragraph 20.3, the paragraph that starts out, God requires his people to shine. So a little bit down farther says uh, that. While they enjoy communion with God, we wish to have intercourse with our fellow men in order to express by words and acts the love of God, which animates their hearts. So testimony is not about bragging about what you did. It's just expressing through your words and actions the love of God, which he has shed abroad upon you. So you shouldn't ever feel sad or, or guilty or some kind of way about giving testimony to the goodness of God. That's what, that's what he wants us to do. Right. Now here on, you know, go
2: ahead. No, I have, I have a comment on that too, Elder Carol. It, Mm -hmm. It, 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 it makes your heart know that God still answers prayer. When you're praying for a sister, or a brother, you know, for them to get a new position or something. And then they testify that the Lord brought them through and how, you know, they got that position and stuff. And you're like, the
0: Lord
1: still
0: answers prayer. hmm mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, okay. And um, the next paragraph down is 20.4. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was interesting. It said, Christ's followers should be instruments of righteousness, workmen, living stones, emitting light. And it says that they may encourage the presence of heavenly angels. What do y'all think about that? Did you know that you can do that? Did you know you can encourage the presence of heavenly angels?
1: Yes. I knew that we can encourage the presence of heavenly angels. Let's see. What was that? I read something about, you know, um, the angels of God. Um, I know that they cover their face when we do unseemly behavior. Um, I can't. And I think maybe complaining or something, murmuring, uh, grieve the, the angels away from us.
0: Mm-hmm. So if we can encourage them, we can also discourage them by our words and actions. And it, isn't that terrible to think that the angels have to veil, you, veil their faces as something that you're doing is really sad, You know, but I think it's very good that um, as we are admitting the light of Christ, that encourages the presence of heavenly angels. And when we are uh, studying God's word, or when we're giving testimony, or when we're pointing out the truth of God to someone else, or when we're helping other people and doing kind acts, you know, those are all encouraging the presence of heavenly angels. And, you know, Lord knows we need more heavenly angels because the world, you know, is full of evil people and evil angels. And we need as many heavenly angels to overtake them as we can possibly get. So as we allow Christ to shine through us, that encourages the presence of heavenly angels. Uh, What do you think you can do if you're in a situation, maybe it's a violent situation, um, um, family violence or violence out in the street or something? What can you do to encourage the heavenly angels to come upon that situation?
1: Oh on Jesus, because when you call the name of Jesus, the angels come.
0: Okay. Just call the name Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that makes a difference. What else can we do?
2: Beat the person down. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Elder Carol, I have a friend. And the home environment is not very good as far as abusive, you know, the verbal abuse and stuff. And yet, you know, I know she loves her husband, but I always, you know, ask God to, you know, give her a vision on how she can relate more to him so he won't, you know, be like that. But it also takes somebody just to hear her talk. I think sometimes she, you know, she she hides it and then when she finally feels like she wants to come out and say something, when she, when she knows a person's listening, and then right after that, you say, "We're going to pray about it and then try, you know, try this. Have you tried this?" And she just needs somebody to hear her. You know Do you understand what I'm saying? She needs somebody to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think by listening, it gives her that relief that somebody cares enough to listen, and they're going to pray for me.
0: That's a terrific way pray for people that are struggling through situations like that. Prayer really does change things. It's not just, you know, do it for show. Prayer actually has power uh, through the grace of God to actually make changes in different things. When you think about the, the um, patriarchs and prophets who prayed in tough situations or, or some of the new believers who prayed, the Adventist pioneers, you know, or even your own family members, you know, maybe grandma or grandpa was a praying person. And you can actually see the results of those prayers taking place. So, you know, it really does make a difference. And sometimes we think uh, to say to people, well, they ask you for some help and you can say, well, the least I can do is pray for you. No, actually, that's the most you can do for them is to pray for them. Why is prayer why would prayer be considered doing the most for someone as opposed to giving them a few dollars or giving them some food? Why would prayer be the most you can do for someone?
1: Because you bring God and all of his power into that person's situation. Yep. You put them before God. You bring all of the power of God and the holy angels. All of that is at their disposal to make that situation right. Mm. But, you know, what I, I find is this, we're praying sometimes and the Lord answering our prayer, but it doesn't look like it. Because maybe, you know, let's say this husband who is, you know, being berating this wife. So then he's on a job and his tongue get cut out. And it seems like that's a terrible mm. thing. But it may be the answer to that prayer to help him, you know, uh, learn. Or maybe let's not let it get completely cut out. But, you know, it's hurting. You can't <laughs> it's hurting he can't use it (laughs) he can't use it for a little while right so he's learning patience by because he can't talk he can't say the things he's gonna learn to think two or three times before he say some stuff and he might even learn that it's not necessary to say Mm -hmm. so sometimes when we're praying for our family and friends and it seems like they're going in the opposite direction God is answering our prayer but he can't answer it the way we think it ought to be answered because the the person is involved too. That person has to come. Mm
0: -hmm. Very good. Yeah, so when we, um, if someone asks you for $5, you might give them $5, but that's the extent of your help. Or if they ask for a sandwich or whatever, that's the extent of your help. But as Lakita was saying, when you pray, you're bringing down the resources of heaven now to take uh, control of this situation and God has millions of ways to work people's situations out. We can only think of one or two, here's this sandwich, here's $5, but God has millions of ways to solve people's problems. So mm-hmm. the first thing we can do to someone in need is to pray for them. The, and that prayer will be the most we could ever do for them because God is now involved in it. Have you ever wondered why, uh, Sometimes it seems that people who consider themselves Christians, they never really have any encouragement to give to other people. They don't have any kind words. They don't show any love to other people. Why do you think that is?
3: It'll be because they haven't had that shown to them. And so they don't know how to show that to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Plus, you know what? They may actually be doing They're best. They may actually be showing love, but, um, you know, our expectations of how we interpret what love should look like may actually be the problem.
0: That's interesting. Now, if you have a, um, suppose you have a, a radio and you're trying to get the radio to come on to your favorite station, you're clicking all the buttons and turning all the dials and nothing's happening and you're wondering why. And then you look over and it's not plugged in. You know, it's, it's like Christians who have no kindness, no love, um, no desire to share God with anyone It's because they're not connected to the source. Mm-hmm. Like the radio, it cannot function because it's not connected to the source. So if you don't have a relationship with Christ, as, as was mentioned, how are you going to share that with anybody else? Mm-hmm. You can't. Any other thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. What paragraph are you on, Lee? We are on 21.2. Oh, okay. And it starts and out elder every... Carl,
2: I think, too, sometimes, and I look back and I'm thinking of the church that I came from in Indiana. I think some, sometimes people don't realize, even if you are an elder, you know, an elderly person, you still have something you can contribute and I think when I look back and as I grew up I seen some of the elderly people at the Adventist church, they just sat back, you know, saying, Well, I'm old and I'm old but God uses elderly people <laughs> too. So I think they can't they became complacent because they knew, you know, they knew the word and they feel like, Well, I did it when I was younger. I'm old now so I can just sit back and just I don't want to say slide into heaven, but sit back and say, well, that's what I did when I was
1: young. Yeah. I was reading, I was listening to, um, I was in a training recently and um, they, the lady gave a story about a guy, a man whose ancestors were had been in slavery. And so he was like at 70 or so. He, he had didn't have a high school diploma. So he went back to school to get his high school diploma and then you know he started school, and um, he decided he's going to go back and get a degree, go to college. But at the age of ninety-eight, he finished his college degree, and he wrote a book. So I think we just—I mean, these years, like what you're talking about, Patsy. Sometimes these are wasted years because we can be the most productive in those years. You don't have any young kids anymore to distract you. You don't have you know, the obligation of a job and most of the time to distract you from doing some of the things you really want to do with your life.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Any other thoughts on being connected to the source? Have you ever (laughs) felt like you weren't connected to the source, Christ? You felt that way? Would you like to share with us?
1: Oh, no, not this (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. You know, I, I I'm being honest. This week, I found myself asking God, "Am I, am I there?" Because I'm gonna be honest. You know, I've been serving for pre-K through fourth grade, and when the thing happened in Texas, you know, I questioned myself. Did I do all that I can in that classroom? That Miss Meeks trusted me with her class. That I made those kids feel like you can call on God anytime. But in, and then I, you know, I started looking at what should I have done better, God? That, you know, you and the Holy Spirit, you know, you tried to lead me, and I, you know, I just didn't didn't quite make it. So I questioned myself on that this week, and I said, and I found tears in my eyes, saying, Lord, what would I have done if someone had came in to the school? But it made me question whether I was still connected with God because. I was so hurt, and I kept crying every night, and mm-hmm. so you know i'm you know I'm, I'm i when I went to church this morning, you know, and as they prayed and stuff, I said, God, help me to understand why I'm still crying because I know that you are still in control
1: you know that, um, where I'm at you know that's where uh this week now I love news I've been reading newspapers since I was a little grace used to read the world newspaper, the St Louis. World newspaper, the <laughs> St. Louis post badge in the Globe. So I'd love to read news. But you're right, Pessie, Um, These past two things, when they shot the people at the store, the nine yes. black people, yes. I felt that was really ridiculous. You drove three hours to find a black community to, you know, uh, put your little craziness on. But then when I read the kids, I couldn't read that. I've read a lot of news stories, but and it just seems like for me, Patsy, it I have been praying, asking the Lord to give me a, turn my stony heart into a heart of flesh. And when you again you're asking God for stuff and he's doing it. As you grow in Christ, you begin, Sister White says, we don't see the sin, no, the sinfulness of sin. And he begins to remove the scales off of your eyes. The more you study, the more you pray, the more you talk to God, you know, then we begin to see our own sinfulness more. We see where we come up short at more. Uh, We feel a greater need to be, you know, to, um, for God to help us. And if, you know, I've been asked for that uh, heart of flesh, and it's been very hard. I was Told Lee one day this week, I said, I, "I, you know, I just had to stop after really the first two sentences. I couldn't read anymore because my ear, my eyes start tearing up. It's just tragic, and it's all tragic because people sit around and they know these their loved ones can have problems and know that they have you know stuff going on with them, but won't you know like force the matter by going to therapy, getting some medication." talking to the police, get some help. You don't have to do this all by yourself.
0: Mm. Very interesting.
1: And I think this well, too, L- L- nice. L-
2: L- I guess my question is, as, as Adventists, we know, like I said, that God is still in control. But the weeping and the crying, I did a lot of it this week. And I just kept saying, Lord, am I not connected anymore with you?
1: Well... I don't, you know, think about Jesus. Think about him. When our sins were laid on his shoulders, he felt that that gulf between him and um, and God and his father. But just because you felt that doesn't mean it was so. Just because he felt that, you know, his father was disconnected from him, that was not true. And that was what Satan would try to bring to you that, you know, you uh that what you did or whatever it's not enough you're not good enough is what a waste you could you know you should have done this and that. but the thing is Patsy is is not you anyway it's God and whatever you said I'm just convinced of this you know I've seen kids they was one little girl told me I, some problem she it was a it was a problem and I said something I don't remember what I said and then in two weeks, I asked her about the problem. And she said, oh, Miss Carol, I just did what you say. And I said, what did I say? Because I didn't remember. And she was like, you say it. And she had this complicated, complex answer that I know I wasn't smart enough to say. So I know that we can say what well, I this is the way I see it. We can say words that we understand. But the person will hear what God wants them to hear. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It only, you know, to me, we've only not done our job when we say, I am not going to tell those kids. I refuse to, but you spoke in the only language you knew, the only language you could, and God makes up the rest. We cannot, you know, I used to come home every night going over this case in my mind. Did I do this? I should have done that. I can't live like that. So I started coming home saying, Lord, you know you know in fact I just pray before every person and after every person and then hope you know that 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 person will hear what God wants them to hear.
0: And I think too the fact that you have compassion for what's going on and what's mm-hmm. happening that shows that the Holy Spirit is still with you because mm-hmm. when the Holy Spirit leaves you it says that the person's mind is seared like a their conscience is seared like an mm-hmm. iron so they have no more compassion. They have no care. No concern, no love for anyone else. Mm-hmm. So anytime a person is concerned and showing care and compassion and love, it's allowing them to know that God mm-hmm. is still working with you.
1: Mm-hmm. They, they said that young man, uh, the 18-year-old who went into the school, he was out in front of the school shooting for an hour before he ever went into the school. So the Holy Spirit was wrestling with him. There was a battle out there in front of that school before he got in there. You know, there was no one there to tilt the the scale, so to speak, you know. So um, like you said, you know, you're feeling this disconnect. If you you were disconnected from God, you wouldn't be feeling nothing, and you wouldn't even be thinking about it.
0: The guy was out there for an
1: hour? Where were the police? No one called the police.
0: You know, An hour he's out there shooting and nobody calls That's what they're saying. It's crazy. Just killing innocent folk.
1: Well, he wasn't shooting at people. It said he was out there for an hour shooting. And then the police didn't go in for an hour.
0: That's crazy. They, is. This is a time where we definitely need to stay in prayer, stay on our knees in prayer and asking God to allow his heavenly angels to keep back the evil angels, but of course we know too that at the time of the end, things are going to get worse and it'll be even more commonplace for innocent people to just be shot down in the street. It's sad, but it's again, we're in this cosmic conflict and the wages of sin has to be shown. It's really terrible, but stay prayerful. Don't ever give up praying for safety and for God's protection. Um, On paragraph 21.3.
1: Can I say one more thing, too? And then, Patsy, in these times where you feel like, you know, God, God is not with you, that's where we need trust at. It's not based on our feelings. Our relationship goes beyond that. Our relationship is based on our belief and our knowledge that God is with me no matter what. And these things, you know, feeling like, again feeling like maybe I could do more. That's just the Holy Spirit. You know, that's really good. That's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, it's important for us too to exercise our Christian duty and and talk to people about the love of God and let them know that Jesus died for them and that he will erase their sins too if they just ask him. Because if we have opportunity to speak to someone about the love of Christ and we don't do it, you know, the Lord's going to be uh, holding us accountable for that. So anytime and any way and any method you can, that you can reach someone for Christ, that's uh, doing a good deed, giving a glass of water, encouragement, all kinds of ways you can reach others for Christ. Make sure that we take advantage of that opportunity because we don't want other people to go away sorrowful not knowing about the love of Christ. Let's go to uh, paragraph 21.4. It starts out, all who are consecrated to God will be channels of light, which is what this chapter is called. And this is interesting. And we talk about this a lot in this class. It says, our influence upon others depends not so much upon what we say as upon what we are. A consistent life characterized by the meekness of Christ is a power in the world. How does that make you feel to know that it's not always what we say, but our character and, and the way that we live our life is a powerful witness. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, Lee and I had this discussion this weekend. This week, remember that discussion, Lee? And I was saying, you know, um, the verse by their fruit you shall know them. Now, I, I used to think first, I used to think that. Um, by their fruit means if you bring somebody to Christ, you know, then you will know that they are sincerely Christians. And then the second, then I grew out of that and thought by their behavior, which is where me and I was talking about, so Lee was like, their behavior is like, that is the fruit, you know. But I was saying, no, the fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, and temperance. And I was saying that <laughs> What she's saying now is what you are, not what you do. So that everything you do comes from who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Do
1: that make sense?
0: Yeah, what what we do is a reflection of who we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Any other thoughts? How does that make you feel knowing that who you are is, is witness for Christ?
3: Well, I think that uh, in order to be a light... Um, who we are is the important thing, you know. Because I've always heard that it's better to live a sermon than preach one. And so people, and and it's what the the old adage: "Well, children do what you do and not what you say." And that's the same thing with people; they will watch you to see how are how are you living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a catchphrase on one of those those variety shows: "How you living?" You know, and that's the important thing. That's what people will emulate, how you're living. That's what your influence, what your true influence is. Now, it's not what you're saying, you know, but how are you living?
0: Yeah, we all know talk is cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody can talk a good show, but do your actions follow through with the words that you speak? Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Consistent Christian life? Uh, let's look at the next paragraph where it says, those who should have been the light of the world have shed forth but feeble and sickly beams. Man, that sounds terrible.
3: Mm-hmm. What is
0: light? It is piety, goodness, truth, mercy, love. It is the revealing of the truth in the character and life. Again, what we were just talking about. Revealing of the truth in the character and life. Life. Down at the bottom of paragraph 21.5 it says, We are laborers together with God. Yes, laborers. That means doing earnest service in the vineyard of the Lord. There are souls to be saved, souls in our churches, in our Sabbath schools, in our neighborhoods. Now, I thought it was interesting that said there's souls to be saved in our churches in Sabbath school. Why would that be true? How, how can there be people that need to be saved who are already in the church in the Sabbath school?
3: Because the weed and the tarot grow together.
0: Now, explain what that means.
3: <laughs> well, as they say, church is the place for sick folk, which is it's the spiritually sick. And so... We're gonna have people at all stages of sickness, spiritual sickness, in the church, and so um, that I mean, that's just what that's just the way that it is. And so we're gonna have people that are on a um, their journey. They've been on their journey longer, or they they've been more serious about their journey towards Christ. And then there's others that's going to, that are gonna be babes in Christ. Then there's others that are there. They wanna. They want to talk the talk, but like you say, talk is cheap.
0: (laughs) Hmm. You know, there are some uh, people who think churches should only do outreach. How do you feel about that, anyone? Well, the
3: parable in the Bible is about the the coin that was lost in the house. And so the search was for the coin, that coin.
1: But really, you guys, I keep coming to the conclusion that we are in outreach every day of our lives. Every day that we interfacing with people, we are representing Christ. That is outreach. You mean that they mean that you should only focus on teaching people outside of the church about yeah, God. Yeah,
0: there's some people who feel that church churches should be all about outreach, just going out talking to people who are not who have not confessed Christ, who are not Christians, and that the people who are already in church. You know, it's like they say, preaching to the choir, there's no need to talk to them about the Lord anymore.
1: That's not true. I think that, the, you know, it's like being in a hospital and you receive the treatment. Well, church is a hospital, you receive the treatment, but then there's follow up. You know, you want to t- touch in, you know, uh, touch bases with people and see you know, how they're feeling or they is, is um. you might go back into the doctor's office to see if the disease has come back or if it's slowed down, you know, that's not true that you just baptize people, give them in this, to the church and forget them. I think that's what people <laughs> do. You know what I mean? Like there's no contact with them or nothing like that. And people just feel, you know, like <clears throat> you're just another person who don't really care about me. You care about
2: something else, but it's not me. Mm. Yeah, cuz you know, I sent in a Sabbath school class and a a person that is very seasoned seasoned in the Bible when I talked about I need to know more about Ellen White, she cut me down real quick. She said, "What do you need to know about her?" She said, "You need to just know about the word. Don't don't worry about all that stuff about Ellen White." But then as I begin to, be, you know, to learn more about Ellen White, I said, "Well, it's 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 going along with the bible and it's letting you know what was going back in those times but still as i study her word i have seen nothing that she has done or said that has been against the word of god
1: yeah but you know patsy uh she makes it clear i mean you cannot not know when you read her words that it's not okay to be rude it's not okay to be mean She talks about every aspect of our lives, you know, marriage, parenting, financial stuff. You know, she talks about from the beginning of the Bible to the absolute end of the Bible. You just can't hide. So a lot of people, they don't want to hear stuff because they don't want to. You know, it's kind of like sometimes we think we can play a game. If I don't know it, then I'm not responsible for it. But hey, you know, God huh?
2: I believe that. Yeah, I believe people. The reason why they don't want to read and learn more, especially when you, you know, here we are at Venice, and, you know, I'm not saying that we believe Ellen White, but we know that she's a founder. We know what she was about. She was trying to establish and help and let God use her to establish the remnant church. But when you hear somebody that's been, you know, been in the church for years, and they tell you something like that, you're like, You know, but I'm going to learn about it for myself. Even if you criticize me and say negative things, I'm going to learn it for myself because God is leading me that way. The Holy Spirit is saying we want you to learn something.
1: You mean you're going to have to know you really we're going to have to if we live through the time of trouble, you know, we're going to be part of the people who live through that time of trouble Part of the 144,000 who are left here you know, uh, who are alive with Jesus return, we're gonna have to have some real power behind us. You know, we can't have any doubts, second guesses, thoughts or any of that too, you know, and stuff. And really Sister White is definitely a prophet. This woman is a prophet. And if you if anybody read her and then you talk about she talks about cigarette smoking back in the 1800s, you know, she talks her ideas on food is just coming out now. Everybody's talking about the plant based diet. She's been saying this stuff, you know, uh, she's talking about getting rid of meat because the animals will have diseases, will be diseased. That's what we've seen now. The animals have diseases. And not only are they diseased, but the way that they're raising animals with them, all of those, um, uh, what are those things, hormones. Yeah, instead of having two wings, they have eight wings. You know, it's crazy. But, you know, she said all of this stuff. And so people are not really, for me, if either the Holy Spirit is convicting you or he isn't, and if he's not convicting you, you're not responsible for that. Some, you know, something's going to go right over, you know, over my head. I'm, it's not going to even phase me. But then there are other things where the Lord will not only convict my heart, but then he may call some tests or trials or uh, situations to come up that I have to turn to what he's saying and use it. You know, if I'm sincere about being with Christ. So, yeah, I hear people saying stuff like that, but I personally... I, you know, I can read the Bible, but I really get a lot of clarity from Sister White. I really do.
0: Mm. And the thing about it, too, is even though we're members of the church, it doesn't mean that we don't still have a lot to learn. Doesn't mean that we still don't uh, lack in some areas. Doesn't mean that we still don't need encouragement. When you think about the disciples, Christ called them and he said to follow me. But once they followed him, he didn't give up on them. He still continued to pray for them. He continued to educate them in spiritual matters. He continued to teach them how to walk a life of righteousness. So he didn't just get them in the church and then drop them and say, oh, well, now I got to go out and get some new people. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, and we have to remember, too, that the people who are currently members, those people who are currently um, active in your church, busy in your church, holding officers, participating in outreach and activities, putting in their honest and faithful stewardship, time, talent, temple, and treasure, don't overlook those people. You know, it's like they're saying, they say, uh, I forget how it actually goes, but it says something about um, old friends, new new friends friends are silver, old friends are gold. Yeah. yeah. Make new friends, but keep the old. One new silver. ones are like silver and other are like gold. Yeah. So don't just drop the people who are already in the church. Continue to evangelize, have outreach and in to encourage and support the current members just as well. And they'll be even more happy to participate in the outreach.
1: I mean, even in the business world, you know, like. Uh, these here phone cellular people would be, oh, be a new customer. We're going to give you six months of, you know, free service and you can get a phone for two dollars. Meanwhile, the people who came in last month, they paid six hundred dollars for a phone and no service. So, you know, what's going to keep them from dropping you? I mean, what's, well, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to go to somebody else's offering something. Lord, you know, um, everything in the Bible, the Bible is not about people who are not uh, interested in God. The Bible is about people who are in the church, people who are interested in God. That's what the Bible is not about, non-believers. We can just scratch that whole thing. It's about believers. Christ is talking to the believers of the church and telling us how to treat each other and treat those who are not within the foes of God.
0: Now, here's something very interesting on the last paragraph talks about the hearts that respond to the influence of the Holy Spirit are the channels through which God's blessings flow, which we've been talking about today, being channels of light and blessing to those who know not the Lord or those who need encouragement. And it says, if those who serve God were removed from the earth and his spirit withdrawn, the world would be left with desolation and destruction and under Satan's dominion. So when you think about... um, When uh, the angels came to Abraham and said, if you can find 10 righteous people, you know, we'll spare the city. It was because of Abraham's efforts that the city was spared that long. Just like even now, because of the, the believers in Christ, the world is being blessed. It says, even though the wicked don't know it, they owe the blessings of this life to the presence in this world of God's people whom they despise and oppress. The very people you hate are the people who are allowing you to still receive blessings. What do you think about that? Have you ever had to do some kind things for someone who hates you Mm -hmm. or someone who's been mistreating you? Have you ever had to do something kind for that person?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, so when we think about it, here's the wicked hating God's people, hating Christians, wishing that we would leave the planet or something. But it's because we're here that God's blessings are still part of life for them as well. It says, but if Christians are Christians in name only, or we're, only we're like salt that has lost its savor and have no influence for good in the world. And it even says, the last sentence through their misrepresentation of God they are worse than unbelievers. Wow, that's a heavy sentence. Through their misrepresentation of God, they are worse than unbelievers. How can that be true? How can someone who misrepresents God be worse than someone who never even claims to believe God?
1: Well, like like, uh, Pessy was just talking about the person who, you know, was saying, you know, why you need to listen to her, you see how much damage they can do to a new believer a person coming in? They can derail that person and they might, you know, leave the church. And well, you know, leave God's side, not just the church, but just leave God because, you know, well, I thought this was true and it's not true according to her, blah, blah, blah. That's the one thing. And then mm-hmm. the second thing, you know, more what would happen most likely is a person be like, Oh, I don't have to really listen to her. And Struggle alone for some years before they get back to the place where they can accept the word. So we can undo, we can do a lot of damage. We can, we're actually working against God. Mm. And
0: yeah, mercy. Any other comments on that? How can? Yeah,
2: I... you know, I often think, and you know, for the Bible workers, you know, you're out, you're, you're, you're you know, you're giving Bible studies to someone, and it may take just one comment from another so-called Christian in the church that that individual may say, look, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to continue this. And, and you really don't, you know, and I'm sure other Bible workers, they have ran into this, that somebody has said something that, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking in terms of teenagers, you know, when they come to church, and I, and some of them, because, you know, because I, you know, I, being educated, you know, around them, knowing that sometimes the only thing they have is a pair of blue jeans. And the minute they walk in the church and, and people start saying, now why they come to church in blue jeans? They know this is the house of the Lord. That mm-hmm. can turn them off just like that because they're coming and that's all they have.
0: Mm-hmm. And mercy. So let us remember that, you know, so that we remember that we're called to be examples of Christ, bringing people to him, not running people away from him. Any final thoughts before we uh, end for today? Um, if not, the next uh, next chapter, not chapter, but the next sub chapter we'll be going through is the Divine Commission. The Divine Commission. Does anybody know what the Divine Commission is? You go and teach, baptize, teach. Yeah, the divine commission. So we'll start there next time in the book Christian Service. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll close out with prayer at this time.
3: Uh, Lee, let me make a quick okay. announcement. Uh, Go next again. week, uh, we will be at camp meeting, so we won't have class. But when we return with uh, after you'll be the next one, and then mm-hmm. after that, I'll be returning with chapter 97 in Testimonies for the Church. Okay. Man.
0: Okay, let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for blessing us with the desire to learn more of thee. We thank you for blessing us with your servant, your prophet, Sister Ellen White, who has allowed herself to be used for your glory and for your honor. We ask and pray that you'll be with each of us, Lord. Help us to be faithful servants of God and friends of man. May we allow the light of Christ to shine forth from us and may you use us, dear Lord, to lead others to the cross of Calvary. In your blessed name, Jesus, thank you and amen. Amen. Amen.